1: today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: That voice inside your head that fantasizes about being single and how wonderful it would be, take heed to your spirit that wants to deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. Crucify that spirit in you that wants to get a divorce. Put it to death. Put to death that spirit and you that fantasizes about getting out. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce.
1: Sadly, one practice that was happening in Israel was that people were easily divorcing their wives. But God is clear throughout his word he hates divorce. His design was for one man and one woman to commit to each other in marriage and be united to them for life. Yet, as Pastor Dan teaches today, God's people were dismissing the wives of their youth simply to experience something else. And today, divorce is even more acceptable, even within the church. God doesn't want you to end your marriage. It's worth fighting for. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Malachi chapter 2 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: Should be known for keeping knowledge, for guarding and preserving the word of God, protecting the word of God from compromise, protecting the word of God from corruption, protecting the word of God from any any worldly influences coming in to the church. People should seek the law from the priest's mouth. Priests should be known for speaking God's word to people. And when you go to a priest with a problem or a situation, the priest will tell you what God's word says. Not his personal opinion, not human wisdom, not psychology or sociology or anything else, but the word of God. And for parents. Especially fathers. As the priest of the family, the priest of the home, we should communicate the word of God to our children. As best as we can, as often as we can. And you have to know the word of God to communicate the word of God. And when our children come to us looking for advice, looking for counsel, we want to point them to the word of God. But here's what the Bible says. Here's what Dr. Phil says. I just saw it this afternoon, right? Instead of working, I was watching Dr. Phil and he had some pretty good thoughts on that. No, here's what the word of God says. Look at verse seven again. The priest is the messenger of the Lord. The priest is the messenger of the Lord. His job is to communicate God's message to God's people. You know, in the Old Testament times, after Joshua comes in and conquers the land and they're settling the land and they're dividing up the land among the tribes, uh, they had these Levitical cities or cities of the Levites all throughout the land of Israel. They scattered the priests and cities all throughout the land of Israel. And the reason they did that was so that there was always a priest nearby, maybe in your town or the next town over, but you could always find a priest anytime you needed a priest, and you needed to know what God's word said about the situation you were in, you could find a priest nearby. And God intentionally spread the priest throughout the land so that they could always tell people what God's word says when they needed counsel. And so verse 8 goes on, he says to the priest, but you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. The priests in Malachi's day had departed from the way. They they were not keeping knowledge. They were not guarding God's word from corruption and compromise. They were bringing corruption and compromise in. They were not declaring God's word to the people when the people came to them seeking godly counsel. The priests had departed from the way and caused many to stumble at the law. In second Peter chapter two second Peter chapter two verses one and two Peter warns he says, "There will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their destructive ways P- Peter warns the church that There will be false teachers who who secretly bring in destructive heresies, meaning you're not going to see it when it comes in. They're going to be able to slip in these destructive teachings. Well, How do you know when there's a destructive teaching in a church? It destroys the church. It's destructive. That's how you know. And they even deny the Lord who bought them. Now, when it says that they will deny the Lord, it doesn't mean that they're going to stand up in the pulpit and denounce Jesus Christ. What it means is it's just not really ever going to talk about Jesus Christ. They'll talk about like your finances and your marriage and all these other parenting, like all these other things, but never really talk about Jesus and what the Bible actually says. And it says many will follow their destructive ways. Sadly, many will. Paul tells us this will mark the last days before Jesus Christ returns, that there'll be false teachers who will tell people what they want to hear and what sounds good instead of telling people the truth and they will cause people to turn away from the truth. And he says here to the priest, you've you've departed from the way you've caused many to stumble at the law instead of keeping the law. That was your job. Therefore, verse nine, I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people because you have not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in the law. Interesting, the priests departed from the way of God, departed from the word of truth, and God made them despised in the eyes of the people. People began to despise the priests, because they have not kept God's word and have shown partiality in the law. They taught the parts of the Bible they liked, and avoided the parts of the Bible they didn't like. He told people, you don't have to keep this command here. You don't have to do what God says here. But you can keep this one. So that brings us now to verse 10. Have we not all one father? Amen to that. Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another? By profaning the covenant of the father's. There's a logical flow here to the passage. It's like a chain reaction. The priests, remember, they're the leaders of the nation. As the priests go, so goes the nation. The priests departed from God's way. They departed from God's word and honoring God's word. That affected the people's attitude towards the word of God. The people no longer esteem God's word. And as the priests go, so goes the nation. And because the people no longer esteem God's word as they should, Society has turned violent. People deal treacherously with one another. That's what it says. Not only that, marriage has become profaned. Look at verse 11. Judah has dealt treacherously, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah has profaned, look what it says, the Lord's holy institution, which he loves... He has married the daughter of a foreign God. Verse 11 tells us how God feels about marriage. Marriage is the holy institution that God loves. God created marriage and God loves marriage. And one of the reasons that God loves marriage is because marriage is a picture of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church, where Jesus is the groom and the church is his bride. And Jesus, as the groom, lays down his life for his bride by dying on the cross for us, for our sins to save us. But what happened is the people of God began marrying non-believers who worshipped other gods, and they profaned marriage by doing so. You know, the most important decision you can make in your life is surrendering your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The second most important decision you'll make in life is who you marry. The third most important decision you'll make in life... Well, I'll have to save that for another time. But, <laughs> and the Bible strongly warns against a believer marrying a non-believer, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness the answer is nothing. Don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Whenever, whenever a believer marries a non-believer or a believer in Jesus Christ marries someone of a different religious faith or no religious faith at all, two different gods are joined together in that marriage. Two different worldviews, two different value systems are joined together. And someone will have to compromise And it's usually the believer who will have to compromise to accommodate the beliefs of the non believer. And this will be a source of constant conflict in the marriage and constant compromise for the believer and constant heartache. You don't grow together as God intends in a marriage when you marry a non believer. You don't grow grow together in Christ. You don't walk together. You don't have the same mind. It's not an easy life, especially when you add children to the family. The, the people were marrying the daughters of foreign gods, and, and this will cause the hearts of many people to turn away from the Lord Yahweh and turn to these other gods, and it will cause many people to have to compromise now because they're, they're unequally yoked in their marriage. Verse 12 says, may the Lord cut off. From the tents of Jacob, the man who does this. Being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. They enter into a marriage with with pagan women, a nonbeliever believes another God, fully aware that God's law prohibits this. And yet they were still bringing offerings to God and still expecting God to bless them. And, And God says here, you know, don't expect my blessing when you're walking in open rebellion to my word like this. And this is the second thing you do. <laughs> it gets better. And this is the second thing you do. You, you cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill will from your hands. They were weeping and crying at the altar because God was not blessing. And God was not blessing because of their rebellion.
1: Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs.
2: Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer requests with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth Radio Ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it.
1: Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message.
2: God does not regard your offering because you're in rebellion. He will not receive your offering because you're rebelling. He's not going to bless you until you repent of your rebellion. Now, the Bible does say to the Christian that is unequally yoked to a non believer, you're to stay in the marriage if the non believer is willing to stay in the marriage. He goes on here in verse 14, yet you say, for what reason? Look what he says now, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife. By covenant, here's what was happening in Malachi's day. The Jewish people were divorcing their wives without biblical grounds for divorce Some commentators suggest they were divorcing their wives to marry the daughters of foreign gods, that that's implied in the passage. And so we we talked about being unequally yoked. That was a little uncomfortable. Now we're going to talk about divorce. Next week, if you come back, we'll talk about tithing in chapter 3. It just gets better, right? Look at verse 14 again. Look what he says to these people that are divorcing their wives, maybe so they could marry these people these pagan women. He says in verse 14, the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth. God is the witness between a man and a woman who enter into a marriage covenant. God is present on the wedding day, at the wedding, when a couple pledges their love to one another. And notice, please, that God calls the wife the wife of your youth. Most people marry when they're young. In their youth. When you're just getting started in adulthood. And just really getting started in your, in your life as an adult. And getting started in you know, finishing up college or starting your career. And, and, you're, and you're, you're trying to figure things out on your own for the first time in your life. And, and you're broke as a joke. You know, my my wife and I, we were married in our early 20s, and we moved into this little apartment together, our first apartment. And initially, we had this little blue folding card table for our kitchen table until we could buy a real kitchen table. Because that's what you do when you're in your 20s and you're just starting out. Right, and then, and then you get started together in marriage and you kind of grow up together in marriage. And you, you move a couple times, you change jobs, you got to move to a different city, or move to a different state, and then you have kids together and you're figuring all that out together for the first time. And there's babies now and there's diapers and bottles and formula and pediatrician appointments and late night feedings and emergency room visits and paying bills and trying to go on a vacation and go to Disney World and all, all that stuff. All that stuff. Only Cameron will be the wife of my youth. Because I'm not young anymore. <laughs> if, if, you know, just hear me out. If God forbid my wife were to die. And I were to remarry. That new wife would not be the wife of my youth. She would be the wife of my middle age. Or the wife of my old age. And we're not going to have those experiences together. We're not going to have the blue folding card table. We're not going to be trying to scrounge up money to go out to dinner on a Friday night. Broke as a joke. We're not going to be doing that. Those are experiences that you only have with the wife of your youth. I'll I'll never be a first time parent with another wife. Or trying to figure out how to change a diaper or put a onesie. I'll never have to learn that again. Because that's something you only experience with the wife of your youth. And here the Lord says you have dealt treacherously with the wife of your youth. That you've had this life together with. You've had all these wonderful experiences together for the first time together. That you will never have with another person. And you're just throwing all that away. And you're destroying all those memories. Look again, God says she's your companion. She's been your companion through life. She's been your companion through all these experiences together. You figured it out together. All the ups and downs. All the adulting stuff. That you and your wife had to figure out together. You know, the wife of your youth is is the only person really in the world uh, who knows how clueless you really are. <laughs> and how inadequate you really are. She's your companion through all of this. She's the wife of your co- of covenant, your wife by covenant. You made a covenant with her, God says. When you were young, when you were kids, when you were clueless, you had no idea what you were committing to, but you committed to it and you stood before God and you stood before your family and friends and you said the words good times or bad, richer or poor, sickness or health. Until death do we part. You can't just throw that away because you're never going to have that again with anyone else. You're never going to have your youth back again. You're never going to go through those things again and experience those things again. It's only with her. You know, Jesus says in the New Testament, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And they were just throwing that away. Look what he says in verse 15. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. He he says here, God made you one. One flesh with your spouse. God brought you together and he made you one and he brought you together in part so that you would have godly offspring, so that you can raise children in the Lord together who love Jesus and walk with him and know the Lord. And you're just going to toss that aside. You can't get that back with someone else. Once it's gone, it's gone. It says, therefore, take heed to your spirit. Take heed to your spirit. Listen, if you're here and you are contemplating divorce, take heed to your spirit. That voice inside your head that is telling you, you will be happier. If you get a divorce or that that voice inside your head that fantasizes about being single and how wonderful it would be. Take heed to your spirit that wants to deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. Crucify that spirit in you that wants to get a divorce. Put it to death. Put to death that spirit in you that fantasizes about getting out. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. Here's why. Here's why he hates it. For it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Divorce causes so much pain and violence to a family. That's why God hates it. Because of the destruction it brings because of the damage it causes to the family emotionally and spiritually and often even financially. You know, one of the leading causes of poverty in our country is divorce. At one point, it was the leading cause of poverty in our country. And and let, let me just say, I mean, I joked about it a little while ago, but I, I recognize that, that divorce affects a lot of families, probably some families here in the room. Uh, divorce is not the unpardonable sin. If, if, if you're divorced uh, and you didn't have biblical grounds for divorce, God offers grace, he offers forgiveness, he offers healing. The only unpardonable sin is rejecting the free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ offers. That's it. Anything else, you can put it under the blood. And wash it away. And now he repeats this statement in verse 16 again. It's so important. He says, therefore, take heed to your spirit, that spirit in you that wants to divorce, that spirit in you that wants to cast it aside, that spirit inside of you that wants to get out. Take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously with the wife of your youth.
3: He asked me how I know, and I say, bring sure than the.
1: Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Malachi, one of the Old Testament books of prophecy. As you listen through this series, we encourage you to read on your own as well. God's Word can speak to you in a variety of ways, and it can reach you in personal ways too. If you'd like to hear more messages from this series, visit our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast. It's a great way to keep connected to the teaching of Scripture. We'll notify you each time we upload a new episode. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast on our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. While you're visiting our website, you might be interested in learning more about the church that supports this ministry, Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. You can even come join us this weekend for worship and Bible study. Once again, visit calvaryec.com for details. As you explore the website, you'll notice a tab for giving and a tab for serving opportunities. Make sure to check those out and think about being a part of this ministry and the church as a whole. If you have questions, give us a call at 410 491 4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I
3: recognize